Hey there, welcome to Pickled Parables. This podcast is presented by Parable Ministries as a Bible teaching resource. Thank you for joining us. Pickled Parables is a podcast about taking in and living out the Bible. Here we will study, contemplate, and testify to the Bible's incredible teachings and how it leads us to live better lives. To stay up to date with all things Parable, follow us on Instagram at parable underscore ministries and visit our website at parableministries.com. We hope today's message finds you well. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me today. My name is Jesse. I hosted this podcast back when we first started, and I'm back again to introduce a new series that we're beginning. We're going to be walking through the book of 1 Peter. This book study was requested by uh, several of you who are listening, and we have put together a team of Bible teachers who will be leading us through this, this epistle. I, I just, I marvel and I, I praise the Lord for how he has interacted with and, and supported this little ministry. As you probably know, this podcast, Pickled Parables, is offered to you by Parable Ministries. We're a little online Bible teaching resource. And Pickled Parables has uh, been growing. And we have partnered with several Bible teachers who are filled with the Spirit and who are gifted communicators. It it is a, a wonderful thing that we have at Parable here where the Lord has been working through many people and where the Word of God is being spoken through more than just one voice. We have been slowly introducing to you some of our parable partners, as they're called, uh, through standalone lessons and uh, testimonies. These Bible teachers who will be presenting to you First Peter, they've all taught on this podcast before. They've already offered excellent studies and lessons. They are men of integrity. They are men of prayer. And they are all gifted by the Holy Spirit to teach and to rightly handle the word of truth. I, I am so excited for you to walk through this series with them. First Peter is a challenging book to read, uh, not just challenging in understanding its big concepts, but also in receiving its instruction. It's a book that causes me, me personally, when I read it, it causes me to furrow my brow and then look for a quiet place to sit down and think about it. Yet at the same time, it, it resonates with me in a way that I, I never thought that a, a person or, or a thing ever could. It talks a lot about living in, as it would call, an exiled life. Living on earth as if your home is somewhere else. And I say it resonates with me in a unique way because that hits home for me. I have felt that since my late teenage years. I don't feel at home. And I have a longing in me that I cannot escape. Now, before my personal salvation at the age of 12, when I came to know the Lord, I had a longing to know a person that I, at the time, did not yet know. 
Now, as a redeemed worshiper of God, there is a longing in me to go to a place that I have not yet been. I want to be in the complete and unhindered presence of the Lord. Uh, Just as it's described at the end of Revelation, depicted as God's great garden. But I'm not there yet. And as I'm told through 1 Peter, that's because I'm living the life of an exile here on this fallen earth. You see, God's kingdom culture that is shown throughout the Bible, it's very different than the culture I am currently living in. As a Christian, I am called to live in a a different manner than those who do not observe the Lord. 1 Peter is written to those who are in this exile. And his instruction is not to bear arms and set up a theocracy. Then again, it's not to blend in and, and keep our head downs either. He calls for us to endure, to live lives that are honorable to the Lord and that are reflective of his values. First Peter begins like this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. This letter is attributed to Peter, the disciple of Christ. Notice how he does not defend his title. He simply states his name, Peter, and his position, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, in in contrast to Paul, who we have studied before, Paul will often go to great lengths to establish his spiritual authority. But Peter was already associated with Christ by being a prominent disciple and by his well-known sermon during Pentecost. Paul, on the other hand, well, he had an uphill battle to fight as he was uh, originally an aggressor against the church who persecuted Christians. And so he he would tend to add a, a little more to his introductions just in order to bear witness to his God-given authority. Here, we have Peter, who was a recognized pillar of the church. Peter is writing to the elect exiles of these different regions, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia. Let's consider this description for a moment, as he says, elect exiles. Now, the biblical idea of election can cause some within the church to hesitate once they encounter it. The doctrine of election, the thought that some are chosen to be saved while others are not, has been around for a long time. And it has caused quite a stir among our Christian denominations. The theology around election has been studied and developed substantially over the last few centuries, and it is a conversation worth having. However, as we look at this epistle, I would issue caution in how you might 
interact with this description. As Peter purposely used this word in his writing to this original audience, it was not for the purpose of raising one's ire, but for the purpose of inclusion and encouragement. This original audience consisted of Gentiles. Now, Gentiles is a term used for those who do not belong to the children of Israel. And it it is biblically accurate to say that the people of Israel were the chosen people of God who were to represent him in the world and have come through them the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. By addressing these Gentiles as elect, Peter is reaching out to them and pulling them into the light of God's family. These Gentiles were being recognized as brothers and sisters in the faith. To take it a step further, Peter includes the term exiles to the elect exiles. This is reaching back into the Israelite history of their great exile to Babylon. During this time, Israel had lost their home. Their cities had been burned, their walls had been torn down, and they lived in a foreign land as strangers. Peter attaches this image to his description of these Gentiles as he calls them elect exiles. He was using very, very personal Israelite history and sharing it with these Christian brothers and sisters. This greeting for the original audience would have been the most encouraging thing that they could have heard. Peter, a pillar of the Christian church, which at the time was predominantly Jewish, Peter was offering an extended hand and welcoming these Gentile converts to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. These regions, they all reside in what we consider today as Asia Minor, or modern-day Turkey. In fact, actually, we've studied a letter that was written to one of these ancient regions in earlier episodes. We did a book study on Galatians, which was an epistle written by the Apostle Paul. That was started back in episode 10. But as we look forward here, the Apostle Peter is writing this letter to Christian believers who all reside in this wide-ranging selection of regions in order to offer instruction and encouragement. As we'll see later in this letter, it seems that this instruction and encouragement was deeply needed. With Peter's first written words, he offered an outstretched hand of communion. And now listen to how he continues. To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father 
in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. This introductory greeting is dripping with theological significance. But most importantly for our context, this is a continuation of Christian unity. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, you have been adopted. In his foreknowledge, you have been brought into his election. By the sanctification of the Spirit, you are being made new in the Lord. He resides in you as a seal. He is the marker of your adoption. Just as at Pentecost, when the Spirit first descended upon the apostles and disciples who were praying, you also have the same Spirit within you. We are family. And for the obedience to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, as we are to walk out his teachings and examples, we are to live out a Christ-likeness as we have been ransomed with his precious blood. With all this in mind, grace and peace upon grace and peace upon grace and peace be given to you. Peter's opening greeting is one of brotherhood. It was meant to evoke a strong sense of bond. Not only was he sharing very personal Israelite history with this audience and including them in it, but he was also reminding them of their shared adoption in the Lord. These believers were being called to live out their earthly lives for a heavenly kingdom. They were connected by the deep bond of Christ's spilt blood and by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Peter is setting up a major theme that will be explored throughout this letter, the theme of being adopted and, and being a citizen of the kingdom of God, but living as a, a foreigner in the fallen domain of man. That's a difficult idea to stomach. How, how do you endure through the face of such adversity? How do you live as a, a foreigner, knowing that your home is a place that you've never been? How do you continue day after day living in faithfulness? As an example, how, how can you swim up a river without its current moving you at least a little? The culture we live in will influence us. What can we do? Well, something that we can take straight away in this epistle is how Peter uplifts the sanctity of Christian fellowship. Peter, uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ and a true pillar of the early Christian church, clearly values his fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. The benefit 
that comes from Christian fellowship is one of mutual encouragement. It is so refreshing to be greeted by a fellow believer or to simply sit in each other's presence knowing that you both have received a a divine and undeserving grace. Together, it, it just, it produces such gratefulness and it can renew our passion for the Lord. Another benefit that comes from this is Christian correction. A fellow brother or sister may be able to spot within you an area or or, uh, an attitude that would best be addressed. Remember, the culture we live in, it, it will influence us. And there will be times that we need to receive this correction. Though I I must state here, please be very gentle in how you do this and be sure, be positive that you do this with a tender heart. Nobody likes being corrected, but it is a benefit nonetheless. As we look to our next step in this study, please do not approach this epistle thinking that you have to face this world alone. That as as a a foreigner living this exile-like life. It's just you and the Lord. There are other kingdom citizens here with you. You're not alone. And I pray that this epistle, through the Spirit's work, will stir up in you a, a, a desire for Christian fellowship and the endurance to live out a God-honoring life. Thank you for listening to Pickled Parables. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us, subscribe, and share with your friends. If you're interested in more things like this, check out our secondary podcast called My Dusty Bible. To stay up to date with all things parable, follow us on Instagram at parable underscore ministries and visit our website at parableministries.com. Parable is a volunteer organization, and we would deeply appreciate your prayers. Thank you for joining us today. We'll catch you later.